Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrel pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, we're finally gathered again to record a podcast after a week has passed of gigantic news. Monday is when the event happened, and Tuesday and Wednesday is when the fallout came. I'm talking about, of course, Washington Nationals relief pitcher Sean Doolittle appearing on the Tipping Pitches podcast and giving his Star Wars rankings. This is a good bit that we do. Every time there's a big piece of news that happens, <laughs> I don't think it's a bit a that we do. Turn. I think it's a bit that like every podcaster does. Yeah. If you're a new listener and you came to us from last week's episode with Sean Doolittle, thank you. We're glad you're here. It's time to talk about how baseball is on fire. <laughs> yep couldn't uh, couldn't uh, put it better myself i i think it was kind of good that we didn't talk about this at the outset in part about the and we're referring to obviously the whole astros red sox etc etc cheating scandal um don't leave my mess it feels like <laughs> and, and the mets <laughs> um it felt uh, you know on the day that we were recording with sean and all this unfolded, it felt a little disingenuous to like be like, yeah, we're not going to talk about all this. But at the same time, I think it's probably good that we put some distance between ourselves and the kind of hot take cycle and cycle of conspiracy theories that have just continued to unfold over the last week, because it's a, uh, it's a lot to digest. There's a lot to unpack here, as they say. You don't think it would have been more entertaining for me to just log on and be like, it's a shame for the game, Alex. <laughs> this is steroids 2.0. You don't think that would have been good audio? We could have just like read Twitter, you know, yeah. just read our Twitter feeds to the people and frankly that would have been good enough i i don't know about that we are going to talk about the astros cheating scandal we are going to talk about in lighter news Alyssa nackin getting hired as a full-time assistant coach with the giants but before we do that i'm bobby wagner i'm alex basley this is tipping pitches all right i want you to vote on what we should call this scandal. We are going to be the podcast of record for what the official name for this scandal is. I've laid out three options. You're welcome to throw in a fourth or fifth or sixth option if you think these are not good enough. But I've got Whackgate, Buzzgate, or my personal favorite, not to tip my hand or tip my pitches, Banggate. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I I do like, I like Banggate. Yeah, thing. it's it's just got a certain it, it rolls off the tongue really nicely. Yeah, I the think. G rolls into the other G. Banggate yeah. could it could almost be like one word. <laughs> you could combine the words in the hashtag hashtag Banggate only one G. Yeah, although this is the, the problem with that is that it it limits the scope to what the Astros did, and I have a feeling that this is not the end of the scandal. There are other teams that do this sort of thing, and we will find out. More ways in which teams are just cheating their asses off. I mean, it's going to happen. Yeah. But like Camgate doesn't have the same ring to it. Or even it's not like really descriptive enough. Yeah. Cheating gate. Just Uh, just liar liar gate. (laughs) Well, 
I kind of think that we're getting off topic, but I kind of think Spygate was like the perfect name for a scandal. And it's a shame that the Patriots, we had to waste that one on the Patriots because this is kind of like spying in a way. Yeah. What about like Vidgate, Feedgate, like the, uh, the, <laughs> the feed that they were watching in the outfield, Feedgate. These don't sound like the names of scandals. They sound like websites, like third-party websites where you can like download uh, torrented movies and that yeah. sort of thing. Yo, yeah, I just Vidgate. downloaded pa- Parasite on Vidgate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've written down some notes here. I think that I'm going to try to bring us through chronologically of what happened. I'm definitely going to fail. But just so that we're all on the same page, I'm going to read off a list of things that crossed a certain threshold for me that I thought I should write that down so we can mention it on Tipping Pitches. Are you ready? I think so. Ready is all over me. Jeff Lunau and AJ Hinch got suspended for one year on Monday and they were subsequently fired. Jim Crane gave a press conference talking about that firing and how the Astros have integrity and that he doesn't think that the World Series is tainted. Alex Cora got fired before his ban was even announced. His ban still has not been announced at the time of this recording. The next day, Carlos Beltran fired before ever managing a game for the New York Mets. And or, that's or mutually parted ways. Yes, they both mutual decided. Parting. Yes, exactly. I saw someone on Twitter, I forget who this was, and I apologize, but I saw someone say that this is the conscious uncoupling of the baseball world. <laughs> we didn't break up, we consciously uncoupled. Yeah, exactly. Jessica Mendoza, who is an announcer for ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, but also a Mets consultant. Just went on Mike and Mike in the morning and decided that she was going to speak, I guess, as Jessica Mendoza and not as a Mets representative. But she had some takes about how Mike Fires did this, quote, the wrong way. So now, just to briefly recap, we have lost the Astros general manager, the Astros manager, the Red Sox manager, and the Mets manager. Then it gets really weird, Alex. It, gets, it goes from being like, a mainstream media scandal to being like a deep, deep Twitter scandal. Carlos Beltran's quote-unquote niece, who did not turn out to be Carlos Beltran's niece, starts tweeting. I'm not sure exactly how you characterize this on a podcast. The, the The unique sensation that you get from seeing a Twitter account that you think might be someone else's burner, but you can't prove it. So then everyone was speculating, including Gary Sheffield Jr., about the fact that this Carlos Beltran's niece Twitter account was not actually his niece, and it was a player's burner account. It turned out to be the burner account of someone who's named Incarcerated Bob. I don't really understand what happened with that, but it's some dude, apparently, who just tweets racist shit, and he had a burner, and I don't know why he was tweeting about what he was tweeting about, but all that being said, he was tweeting that Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve were wearing buzzers during the game, and that's how they relayed the signs to them in the last two years, and that they were doing it in the playoffs including and up to this year, which is why Jose Altuve did not want his shirt to be pulled off during the Astros celebration after beating the Yankees in the American League Championship Series. And that led us to the whole buzzer gate aspect of this that I mentioned up top and also the wrinkled jerseys aspect of this where people were just zooming in on jerseys that were wrinkled and it made it look like something was underneath it. For what it's worth, Chandler Rome, who's a national baseball reporter, tweeted that MLB could not substantiate this claim about wearable devices, is what he said. So apparently someone had accused the Astros of doing this already, so they were already looking into it, and MLB could not substantiate it. Then you got the Cleveland pitchers. They, they jump into the mix. You got Trevor Bauer and Mike Clevenger, and they decided that they're just, just going to go off. 
including Mike Clevenger going on some TV show or online show called Momentum and saying that he knows guys who could just be perennial all-stars if they knew what pitch was coming and that he doesn't think that the Astros players should be able to look him in the eye. Not wrong. By now, the Los Angeles City Council is asking MLB to award the Dodgers for two World Series rings. <laughs> because both teams that they played played cheated. And back home, back in my home, Philadelphia, they're obviously doing drive time radio about this. Someone calls in on Sports Radio WIP and makes the claim, which is an incredible take, that we should support cheating because sign stealing in World War II is how the United States military defeated the Japanese military. Hell yeah. Baseball community literally lost its mind over the course of 72 hours, and that is the best that I can do in explaining what happened and, and when. I want to add two, two footnotes to that. One of them has nothing to do with the Astros, really, but the, the weird subplot of David Brocious, son of, son of Yankees great, Scott Brocious. I'm glad that you tacked this on, because I had this in my original notes, and I wasn't sure if this was too far afield. I, you know what? You might as well just lump it all in, right? Uh, he comes out and, uh, and says on Instagram that, uh, that Mike Trout is taking HGH. He has a thyroid condition, and he's gotten some uh, written exception from Major League Baseball to take HGH. So on top of the whole multiple teams are cheating at the highest levels scandal, you have also baseball's best player might be taking steroids. Yeah. MLB came out and said, <laughs> that's, that's not true. Um, but I, I kind of just have to respect like how much people like it, like it totally spun out of control from major league baseball. You know, it was Rob Manfred releasing a report turned into literally just people online saying, I think this is true. Yeah, it was a real oppo, some real oppo dump energy coming out of that. And, and now we have a congressman from Illinois, Bobby Rush, asking for there to be a congressional oversight hearing into the scandal. <laughs> Not the scandal that I was expecting to have congressional oversight on. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Impeach Rob Manfred. I think that one of the really interesting parts of this is the way that it devolved but it didn't devolve right away because everyone spent the first 24 hours parsing through what is like the real news out of all of this. How is this going to affect the precedent that we've set with past cheaters and past violations of MLB rules and whatnot? And everybody was taking it really seriously at first. And then they weren't. And when they stopped taking it seriously, and when people just decided that they were going to fly off the handle with their opinions and what they had, what they had heard, it, the whole, the sort of like, you know what, fuck it, I'm just going to tweet, you know, or fuck it, I'm just going to comment on my own Instagram post an allegation that the world's greatest baseball player is taking HGH. <laughs> I think at that point, you sort of saw some of the more nefarious and weird aspects of this pop out. And one of those being that there's like a thirstiness right now for among certain fan bases and among certain teams and even among players, like I mentioned with the Cleveland pitchers, there's like a thirstiness for everybody else to get their comeuppance. And I think my biggest takeaway from all of this, or one of my biggest takeaways from all of this, is that everybody is speaking too soon. The sanctimony jumped out way too quickly because 
it's almost certainly going to come out that every single team in Major League Baseball did some version of illegal sign stealing, whether it was as brazen as what the Astros did or not. Yeah, I th- the from what I think we can gather so far, a large part of the reason why the Astros and the players organization-wide decided to bang trash cans to tip pitches is because they assumed that a majority of the other teams in baseball were probably doing something like this anyway. And so you say, well, we don't want to fall behind the curve, so we're going to do whatever we can to get that edge because we already know that all the other teams are trying to get that very same edge. And we right now we have no idea how true that is. We have no idea. I mean, there have already been rumors about other teams doing similar things. I think it was like the Rangers and the Brewers were a couple team names that were tossed out that might be conducting similar sign-stealing schemes. That's a tough phrase. It's a really tough phrase. And we're going to have to say it a lot in 2020. Uh, Yeah, we are. Um, But, you know, it, it gets back to this whole mentality that like the ends justify the means. And that really has been the Astros guiding ethos, it feels like, over the last few years with everything that comes out. Every moral transgression comes down to, well, we're trying to win a baseball game here. And ethics go out the window at that point. You've, I, I, There have been a not insignificant amount of people, some of whom are reporters on the game of baseball, who have come out and said, well, what do you expect? You know, they're, they're a major league baseball team. You kind of have to expect that they're going to do whatever they can to get that edge, even if it's not, uh, you know, within the bounds of the game's ethics. But it's like, or no, the you literal rules. Yeah. Or the literal rules, but like, you shouldn't have to expect that. Why, why are we just assuming that these are all bad faith actors who are going to, who know where the moral line is drawn and are willing to cross it every single time? It's like the difference between creating punitive laws and just teaching people what is the right and wrong thing to do, you know? Like, we're just assuming that the punishment that we hand out is going to be the thing that educates these teams on what they can and can't violate, rather than just being like, maybe you shouldn't have flagrant and brazen disregard for integrity in every other aspect of your organization, and then you wouldn't want to have that, you wouldn't want to have that same brazen disregard as it comes to the rules around sign stealing. Like, I saw, I saw, you know, my colleagues at The Ringer both wrote about how it's interesting to think of the Astros as the team of the decade in a lot of things because they were the team of extremes. And this was sort of the decade of extremes. So they decided they were going to tank harder than anyone else. They decided they were going to embrace analytics harder than anyone else. And they decided that they were going to cheat harder than anyone else. And I think that people take that that narrative and kind of run with it they're like this is the astros this is the culture this is the like group think that they created and i think that that's right but i don't think that that's like i think that that's correct i should say i don't think that that's right morally or whatever to just write it off as well these people can't possibly be held accountable because the people that should have been holding the rest of this Astros organization accountable, they have names and they got fired. Their names are Jeff Lunau and AJ Hinch and Jim Crane, who there's no way that he didn't know about all of this or have some idea into what was going on and what they could be punished for because 
MLB sent out a league-wide memo in 2017 after the Red Sox Apple Watch situation, and they said, hey, we know you guys are stealing signs electronically. We're not going to look that closely right now because we know this is going to be a big scandal because we know the way that baseball fans latch on to these ideas of cheating and winning the right way. And we saw how it un- unplayed, we saw how it played out with steroids. And we know that this is just going to be like the next version of that conversation, the digital version of that conversation. And they decided not to pursue it at the time. So there's no way that Jim Crane just didn't read that email, right? <laughs> like the guy that he employs, Rob Manfred, sent that email to him and said, listen, I'm going to have to do something if you guys don't stop. And I'm sure he didn't name the Astros, but Jim Crane was probably like, we seem like the kind of organization that would try this shit. And they didn't stop. And he didn't give a hard and fast order to Jeff Lunau and AJ Hinch that they couldn't keep doing this. So they kept doing it. But that doesn't mean that we should just absolve the the McKinsey consultant himself, Jeff Lunau, who decided he wanted to build an Astros organization, build the Astros organization with the same ethos and the same mindset that multi-billion dollar consulting agencies in the United States are built on. Yeah, I think that you really can't absolve anyone of blame in this situation. Least of all, the guy with whom the buck should, in theory, stop, who is Rob Manfred, because he knew about this. The league knew about this. There have been rumblings about the Astros doing this sort of thing for a while now. I mean, like as long as we've been doing this podcast. Yes, literally. And... Like you said, the, the the reason that Major League Baseball didn't investigate this any further is because they knew how big of a shitstorm and a PR nightmare this would create. And it's the one it thing they a, were right about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and it took a literal Major League Baseball player who had played on this team under these conditions to come out publicly and say, this team is cheating. They are doing it in the most flagrant possible way and i think it's unacceptable and it really is stunning that it took mike fires being a whistleblower to to actually bring this to light and and that it raises a really interesting i think conversation around all of this because there are a lot of fans and even some players who are out here saying you know mike fires like you should have handled this in house why are you coming out two years after the fact i you know like you said jessica mendoza piled onto this and said this isn't you know this isn't the right way to handle this sort of thing and it's like but major league baseball knew about this they if if every one of the actors in this situation knew that this was going on and it still wasn't handled, then like, what choice does someone like Mike Fires have? Is the thinking that if you can't, you know, if you don't go to AJ Hinch on, you know, in the middle of the 2017 season and say, knock it off. Yeah. Knock it off. And like, if it, you know, if it, if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, then like, you should just like, fuck off. Like, I don't, I don't know what you expect. (laughs) I just imagine him, AJ Hinch pulling his favorite or, pulling his best Logan Roy impersonation and being like, fuck off. And then they yeah. just keep cheating. <laughs> yeah. And Mike fires is, is Kendall Roy. And he's just like, Oh, oh okay. Okay. Dad. okay dad. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No. Uh-huh. Yeah. That sounds good. All right. Dad has the best plan. <laughs> dad being Jeff Luna. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and yet here we are a year later, two years later. And, uh, 
And our Kendall Roy of the situation comes out and says, no, fuck y'all. I'm going scorched earth on this. I am, I'm talking to the media. I'm pulling out all the stops. I'm doing whatever I can to take these guys down. There are like a weird amount of parallels between Succession season one and two and, and this Astros thing. <laughs> yeah. I think that's because everything is corrupt and everything, every type of corruption works in the exact exactly. same way. Yeah. All American this businesses just... <laughs> under capitalism are corrupt exactly the same amount. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so you raise an interesting point in that I'm fascinated about how thin the veneer is on all of this. Like Mike Fire says one thing and everything comes crumbling down. And I just don't get how organizationally MLB organizationally, like you're Rob Manfred and you know how fragile this is. And all it takes is one player to give one quote to make it all fall down. Like how you can think that that's a, a sustainable form of justice. If you already knew about it and you already had either anonymous reports or you had whispers or you had Trevor Bauer fucking tweeting about it or asking everyone who would listen to him about it in clubhouses and shit. Well, like, why even let it get to this point that Mike Fire yes, has exactly. to say something? Exactly. Like, in 2017, just do this on the low. Like, they they did punish the Red Sox, but they didn't make it... They didn't cut the head off the snake at that time. And they could have. Yeah. They, they completely could have. And now we have this, like, circus version of how this this played out. It's like, everything's been bubbling up on the surface, and we allowed the games to be played in the interim, and we allowed the Astros to cheat in the interim, and now everything has a fucking asterisk next to it. And that's... Yeah. We're so sensitive to the the idea of an asterisk in baseball because we're so record focused. We're so history focused. It's a game that's been going on for over a hundred years. And frankly, some people care about the record books more than they care about watching fun young players day to day. And so of course the baseball community is going to be pissed off because now you've tainted the record books on like unquestionably there is a going, there's not going to be a literal asterisk next to the Astros 2017 world series, but everyone's going to think of it that way. And I am. I will never be one of the people that says that we should take away the title because what what are we doing? Are we just crossing out a line in history and rewriting it? Like that's pointless. We all were there. We all watched them win, and the Dodgers were probably cheating on the other side. But you've now just made a mockery out of the game that you are the steward of. You've by not acting on this, and by then treating it like something so seriously you've made a mockery of all of the fans who thought that this wasn't going on. Like we didn't know this, but you did and you had a chance and you fucked it up. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's important to underscore how awful Rob Manfred looks coming out of this because I see people think that he looks good because he wrote a good fucking, he wrote a good write up of his report and he's like, guys, I, I took out my Benoit Blanc fucking magnifying glass and I decided that I was going to get to the bottom of this. And it's like, dude, you already had all this information. You just waited three weeks to do the write-up. Yeah, you literally opened up Twitter and went to John Boy's feed. And you were like, I found this. I did I did all this stuff. This is like, my now. I think, I think it's important to understand like how key to this entire situation like just the internet was. And baseball fans online. 
they are the entire reason that this thing broke out into the open in the way it did. Mike Fires makes one comment, and all of a sudden, John Boy and everyone and their mother is pulling up videos from 2017. I should also Astros. say the athletic report, too, though. Don't leave that out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. My, I mean, Mike Fires, I think there was quoted in The Athletic. Yeah, um, but they, they, you know, they dug it up. Evan Drellich and Ken Rosenthal. Yeah. Um, Rob Manfred just now looks like he has no clue or control over what's going on. You, you can either nip this in the bud when it, when you start hearing whisperings about it, or you can wait until everyone else is talking about it so you your hand is forced. What do you make of like the the appetite for like this news? You know, like the the hunger for like feed me more. What's going on? Jeff Passan tweet at me, Daddy. Like all that stuff that was happening over the on on Twitter like in the last week or so. Like this is so this is so wild. I I wonder if Cora's going to get a lifetime ban. I think he should get a lifetime ban. Like what do you make of like that sort of general fan instinct to want to just like have a scandal to like a juicy scandal to sink their teeth into. Um, I, because I saw people being like, wow, guys, this is great for the game. It's, it's, it's people are talking about baseball and people don't usually talk about baseball. I saw that at the beginning of the week. I should say, I didn't see a lot of that at the end of the week, but even to begin on that thought just seems wrong to me. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how much of an appetite the average fan would have for this sort of thing. I have mostly just seen a lot of justified anger online on on all sides, whether you are a fan of the Astros or the Red Sox or not. This is like I frankly I <laughs> I sympathize with Astros and Red Sox fans, which is not a phrase I think I've ever said in my entire life or will ever say again, but like to be beholden to these franchises who have so blatantly just broken the rules and is are just being dragged by, you know, 28 other teams and the commissioner and the fans of every team. I mean, that sucks. And you're kind of forced to be put on the defensive a little bit and be like, hey, like, you know, we're not so rotten after all. And I, this is, uh, it's not fun. And I feel like that is the phrase that has went through my mind the most over the last week, or really over the last couple of months ever since this story broke, is that no part of this is enjoyable for me. I really don't enjoy seeing Jose Altuve or Alex Bregman under the spotlight and people saying they should, you know, they should be suspended, this and that, all the conspiracy theories that are going around. Like these are, I think we all, much as the Astros were turning into the, the new evil empire, like all these players were so incredibly fun to watch that to now have this like residue left in your mouth from all of it is it's shitty and we're going to keep talking about this it's not it's not over um and i think that fans want to know what actually happened and i think that's where a lot of that thirst and an appetite comes from and it's very easy to get dragged into like the 24 hour news cycle the passing bomb um <laughs> but like <laughs> I, I it's I don't know it's just like Stockholm syndrome, man. Like when like when does this end? Does it end? 
I'm staring into the void. (laughs) (laughs) It is so not fun. You're right about that. Um, And it is definitely a distraction from all of the, the directions that we're trying to push the game forward. It's not that this directly undoes progress in terms of the game getting better and in terms of the game getting younger and more fun. And, you know, we talked to Sean Doolittle last week about how the sort of direct consumer nature of baseball can make for a lot of fun and product, a lot of fun products and content and everything. And this doesn't like take away from all of that necessarily. And it doesn't, it doesn't take away from the things that you and I really love about the game necessarily, but I do think that it just is like a cloud over all of it, right? Because it's like at every turn, at every new era, there's always going to be a different scandal that sort of defines that era of baseball. Like we've had cheating scandals in the past. We've had betting scandals. We've had steroids. And now we've had this. And I wonder if there's something deeper psychologically there that we are always looking for a scandal like in all aspects of our lives. But all I can really do here is to say that like the reason that we keep getting all of these scandals to begin with is because the people in power in in high places in the game just have never been held accountable in their real lives. You know, like they've never been real functioning members of society in the way that the fans are, in the way that like you and I are. GMs now learned their lessons from being investment bankers and consultants for McKinsey and Goldman Sachs at the time of the Great Recession. You, I mean, we talked about this with Michael Bauman. They used to be jocks and they weren't held up. Those guys weren't held accountable because they were really good at sports. And God knows that we don't hold people accountable who are good at sports in this country. And then now these guys are not held accountable because they were good at moving money around and keeping the rich rich. So yeah, like no shit, this this was gonna happen. Of course, right? this like, was gonna what, happen. What did we expect? And guess oh what? Oh my god, something else is gonna happen in the future, because yep. like we we just have no authority on who these people hire, and it's exceedingly clear that who these people hire are hired to keep the owners rich and to make it appear to the public like they want to win, but not actually win. These guys aren't here to protect the integrity of the game, and. If this isn't the like if this isn't the most flagrant exposure of that, I don't know what could. I don't know what could expose it more obviously than this. Do you remember last offseason when free agents weren't getting signed and our our conversations all revolved around the free agent market is broken. What does this mean for baseball? Fuck, probably couldn't get much worse than this, right? <laughs> and then we came into this offseason and free agents were getting signed. And we said, oh, I, maybe that was maybe that was uh that was just like an error in the simulation. Like things are are things getting back to normal? Like this, maybe this offseason is gonna turn out to be normal. <laughs> and then the new decade rolled around and we just got hit by a truck. Yeah. We're so far removed from the the nuts and bolts of like the baseball economy, you know, and the baseball economy being like team signs player to hit ball or throw ball. That is all, that's all we want, right? If we could strip it down to the bare bones, that's what we would ask for. Team gives player money to play baseball. 
the pot has been so poisoned with team is investing in a hedge fund. Team is investing in radio buys and ad buys and TV and commercials and team is creating merchandise and team is creating in-house content and TV shows and team owns TV station and owner is also part of an investment bank that's getting sued by consumers and is also sitting on the president's economic advisory board and is also sitting on the board of private colleges and institutions. And it's like, there's so many different interests now that have completely fucked our game. And it's like, as fans, what do we do? You know, like, what are we, what are we doing here? Where, where's the baseball, you know, where's that on the priority list? That's what something like, that's what this scandal really just hurts my feelings about, you know, because at least when at least when it was steroids, like it was like a player being like, I want to get better, you know? <laughs> yeah. And with the sign stealing thing, it's like, you know, they did that it was in theory to win games, right? But there's this sort of like weird aspect to it. It's like we want to win games by like outmaneuvering you, like outsmarting you, and devising this like in-house system that we thought of ourselves that you couldn't possibly mimic or do as well as us. And I just don't, we're just not playing the kids game anymore, you know, and we should just be playing a kids game. So I guess before we could obviously go on and talk about this for hours and hours, because there are endless storylines and rabbit holes to go down. But I did kind of want to ask just, you know, you were talking about, you mentioned like, what is like, what is fans? Like, what do we do? And I think that opens up this wider question of just where do we go from here now? Because as you know, as we've said, like this is going to dominate the season. And the Astros are still an incredibly talented baseball team, whether or not they're cheating. And so they're going to play baseball games in a couple months. Yeah. And we're it's gonna all be really have messed up feelings. when they win the World Series this year. Right. Well, but like that's <laughs> that's a real possibility. And you know, as far as like legal punishment goes from Major League Baseball, like we've probably seen the end of it unless there are other scandals that come out. Like MOB has put a period on their investigation more or less. So yeah, there's the not going to be title stripping. Alex Cora. Right. Yes, exactly. But they're not going to be, you know, excluded from the playoffs or we're not going to, this is, this is basically it. So we're going to play the baseball season essentially under the circumstances that we're experiencing right now. And I I don't know. How do you start to think about navigating that as a fan? Do you think like this is something that starts to fade away in our memory by July or August? Does it depend on where the Astros are in the standings? Do you see kind of getting over this in the near future? I mean, I think it is going to be a big topic of conversation all year. That's the thing with having 162 games is you have you have 162 games worth of, for each team, worth of the hometown announcers getting their chance to talk about the national story. You know, so like, every announcer is going to talk about it in every game that the Astros are featured in. Every announcer is going to talk about it when it's a former Astros player up to bat. It's going to be, the conversation is going to be filtered throughout the rest of the league throughout, throughout the year. But I, if MLB decides not to take larger action, and 
if nothing else gets uncovered, like Manfred doesn't decide to go after the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Indians or the Brewers or any of these other teams that there's been rumors about, it, it is going to kind of fade into the background. Like we can only keep this story going on. There's only so much meat on the bone in terms of like what's new left to say about this. I can only hope that like reporters and take artists and all these people and announcers and stuff don't foreground this in a way that is not necessary, right? Like you and I are talking about this for the whole podcast today or whatever, for most of the podcast today, because like it would be disingenuine not to talk about it. But if, if August rolls around and the Astros are just, just doing well, we're going to be like, okay, we can just talk about the games, hopefully. Right? Am I being too optimistic? <laughs> Here's the thing that I am worried about, though. If Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve come out and they hit 200 for the first two months of the season, everybody's going to lose their fucking minds, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, in well, a weird way, I'm kind of rooting for the Astros. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow, we've come full circle on the takes. <laughs> I yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see how this plays out on the field itself, you know, because you have a lot of players on other teams who are legitimately angry. And I'm not saying we're just going to start seeing pitchers throwing at Astros players left and right. I think but, that's going to happen. But it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if you saw Trevor Bauer or Mike Clevenger come out and, you know, being someone like Altuve or Bregman, which, like, that's not an enjoyable outcome either. I think hey, man, listeners of this you, podcast know how we feel. You cheated against me for two years. Here's one at bat where I hit you. We yeah. even now? <laughs> I, yeah. I We're going to see this because we as fans can talk about this all we want, but we have no connection to the players and we're not going to ever confront them. And after a little while, um, it starts to, it starts to grow old thinking about it. I think there will become a time of where we are fatigued of just being like, like I, I just don't have the energy to hate the Astros anymore, but I guess, but, but the, but I'm going to have the energy to hate the Astros when they use this as like a, like personal adversity that they had to go through. Yes, like which they, they're going to be like the underdog. Doing. Yeah, they're going to be like the underdog team. They had to yeah. face all this adversity, and they bounce back. And it's time to make a fucking documentary about them. Like that's definitely what's going to happen because that's how big business functions. Yeah, Jose Altuve has already come out and being like, you know, it's like us against the world right now. It's a and distraction. Like, no, no, you are. <laughs> You are not the like scrappy uh, underdog who like everyone is like low key rooting for because like no one likes you guys anymore. Like no, you you guys are the evil empire. That's that's what you are. You have the Death Star. But it's the same playbook that like every athlete who's ever had something off the field happen to them has used. Yes, it's like domestic violence, personal adversity that I had to overcome. Sexual yep. assault, personal adversity I had to overcome. And and that filters organization wide. Like the Cubs, the Cubs use that during their whole 2016 World Series run about how they they had to overcome like all this negative press and bad press for getting Aroldis Chapman. I was like, you didn't have to overcome that. That helped your team. You got a player yeah. that helped your team, and you did it in a moral way. And yeah, you know, that, you know what would help you overcome that is just not doing that in the first place. You want to not deal with this shit, so like, don't, don't do, do it. it. <laughs> yeah. I want to, one last thing on this before we move on. 
and talk about Alyssa Nacken. Three managers were fired. Two managers of color. And there's only four managers of color left. So one third of the managers, managers of color were knocked out of baseball in one fell swoop. And obviously that's not like, I think that is an unfortunate symptom of what happened. But I think it reiterates, and I think it should not go unsaid, that baseball has a gigantic race problem in its managerial hiring and in its front office hiring. The fact that one scandal could knock away 33% of your managers of color, that's probably pretty bad. And it's, it's like we already don't give managers of color second and third tries in the way that we give white managers second and third tries. and it's almost certain that Carlos Beltran and Alex Cora will not manage again. So we've taken two really good young managers. I mean, I don't know that Beltran would have been a good young manager, but I was very excited about him. We've taken them out of the job pool for these jobs that are already a white boys club. And it's a real, it's a real shame. You know, I don't know what, like, I don't know what else to say about it. There's not like a deeper thing to really analyze here other than the, the, race problem in hiring in baseball, but it upsets me. But it is like, you know, people are talking about how Alex Cora is potentially facing a lifetime ban. And I have no idea how true that is or not, but it's clear that like that investigation is still ongoing and the league is going to come down hard on him. And AJ Hinch was suspended for a year. It wouldn't surprise me if he came back to the game in some capacity. There will be teams who, I mean, once again, like, Teams don't care about morals, so like he's going to get another job. Um, yeah. Despite the fact that he in that clubhouse, like he was the one who should have been able to lay down the law, and the the commissioner's office noted that he knew what was happening. He knew he about all of this. The TV and yeah, would like hit the TV or something like that and be like, stop. And so how it is that Cora, the one who was, you know, supposedly one of the masterminds behind this, is facing a lifetime ban. And AJ Hinch, the guy who had in his power the ability to stop all of this and didn't, is not facing that lifetime ban. It's just kind of like, I right, right, what's what are we doing here? Yeah, what's, what's going what's on? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do think it's interesting that like for Beltran specifically, like I, I do think it's kind of interesting that there was a quote mutual parting of ways. Like I wonder what the mutual aspect of that is. Did Beltran just like admit that he didn't think that he was worthy of the Mets managerial role after all of this? Because he knew his role in the Astros cheating scandal already. He just didn't know that he was going to be named in the report. So like that sort of reads like bullshit to me. It sort of reads like the Wilpons being like, come out and say this was mutual. Yes. At, for for the betterment of the franchise that you spent a lot of your career with, and so that we don't hammer you in the press and fire you and make it look worse for you. Yeah, pretty much. I think and that's exactly what happened. The the ability of the Wilpons to insert their horseshit into any and every possible situation never ceases to amaze me. But this one specifically, you got fucking Fred Wilpon coming out here being like, as an organization, we pride ourselves on our integrity. And I'm like, dude, your financial circles got you involved in the largest ripoff scheme in the history of America. And you want to tell me that you pride yourselves on integrity organizationally. 
as you have kneecapped every single move that every GM you've ever hired has wanted to make. That's yeah, integrity this is the to thing you. That's going to bring you image problems. This is some the fucking thing trash that's cans gonna... getting whacked. That's yeah. the image problem that you're worried about. Yeah. Wow. I can't wait until they're out of the picture and I get Steve Cohen, <laughs> king of integrity, <laughs> the fucking head of the operation. The cycle continues. It does. It does. The Mets are such an interesting test case for this cycle because they're going to fire these dipshit rich guys and they're going to hire a smarter, more morally bankrupt rich guy and he's just going to continue to fuck up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the the difference is that like the Wilpons are shitty rich people of like a different generation who are now just like, you know, cutting corners. Like it's not even like they're evil, like twirling their mustaches rich guys they're just kind of like bumbling dudes with a lot of money who don't really know what to do with it and have no sense of image and these new guys do the exact same thing but they also care about what people think about them and they're like financial terminators too it's like they've like mastered their craft in how to steal money from poor people yeah yeah it's like the difference between stupid and evil and smart and evil and that's a scary difference all right, let's take like a let's take a quick breather and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about what should have been the biggest news in the baseball week. Um, Alyssa Nacken getting hired as a full-time assistant coach with the San Francisco Giants. You walk the floor The way I do Your cheating heart Will tell on you So, Bobby, as you mentioned before the break, this really should have been bigger news, and it unfortunately got just vastly overshadowed by everything that was happening with the Astros and the Red Sox. But the Giants hired Alyssa Nackin this past week to be a major league assistant coach. She is going to be the first woman to be a part of a major league coaching staff. She... uh she played softball at Sacramento State. Uh, you know, she was a all-conference player. Um, she has she studied sports management, and she has been she's been with the Giants for a few years now, focusing on health and wellness initiatives and events. I this is this is pretty cool. Yeah, I, this is a hot take, but uh, but this is a this is a positive thing. <laughs> for the environment of the sport. As you mentioned right before uh, we started recording this segment, um, really shitty that this comes in the environment that it comes in with Gabe Kapler at the helm. Noted... um, Cover-upper of domestic violence. Cover-upper of domestic violence. Well put. Yeah. So, um, as always with baseball, nothing can be entirely pure. There's always going to be a bit of a sour taste left in your mouth. But... I also don't think that we should um, use that to diminish anything that Nacken has done or potentially will do with the Giants. And I think, um, and I'm really excited to see where this goes. She is, she's not going to be in the dugout because teams are only allowed seven coaches uh, in the dugout during games, but she will travel with the team. She'll be there with spring training. She'll be a part of all their practices. And, uh, and you know, it's the hopefully this is just the first domino to fall, the first step in 
creating that that more equitable environment that we you know talk about yeah i i do think there is sort of like a like a low hanging onion headline that could be written that's like qualified candidate gets hired to fill role in major league team <laughs> you know yeah. uh-huh. like it's it's sort of wild to me that like we still have this sort of like glorified trailblazer thing that we do in in the media and in the way that we talk about things but it, this is like you said i think really positive really good news um i worry about like the the long and rich history of moral licensing that baseball has had in terms of using a trailblazer in a certain respect to diminish progress in the future so like it's worth keeping a close eye on whether they actually diversify the rest of their staff and whether other teams take this as an opportunity to fix a decades decades and decades long fuck up that they've had but None of that should fall on Alyssa Nacken. Like Alyssa Nacken is just a very qualified coach who is going to handle health and wellness for the Giants and I'm sure do a very good job. And it is, you know, it is complicated that this happens and the first person that they have to turn to for quotes is Gabe Kapler, <laughs> um, who must have called his mom right before the press conference to ask what he should say about Alyssa Nacken getting hired on his staff. <laughs> but... None of that really takes away from the fact that this is just generally good news. Yeah, it's it's definitely disconcerting that this sport has been around 150 years and we're still getting firsts like this. Yeah, I think that's what I'm trying to say. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a uh, it's a tough look and I think that when stuff like this happens, there's a tendency to kind of be like, "Oh, look, like we've done capital P progress. Like we're yeah. in a better place right now. And it absolutely negates like the, we've the toxic capital M environment moved capital F forward. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes this sort of thing has a tendency to obscure the larger um, organizational issues with major league baseball. And, you know, I, I, I find myself also thinking about someone like Jessica Mendoza in this situation who, you know, we, I think right, rightfully criticized about her comments in the last week about Mike fires, but there were a lot of people out there saying she, she shouldn't be in the booth anymore. They should, they should get someone more qualified. And it's like, really like she comes out and makes one, public transgression and immediately is like kicked from the booth. And I just think about like the standard that, that people like Jessica Mendoza or Alyssa Nacken are held to, right? Just because, because it's like, well, you got to prove that you really belong with the boys. And if you fuck up once, then, then that's it. You know, someone's like, oh, let's get Mike Petriello in the booth. Uh, Let's just get, let's get someone who like really knows the game, you know? And it's like, have you seen like, has Mike Petriello updated his Twitter avatar yet? <laughs> <laughs> Don't think so. <laughs> but it's like, I, have you seen some of the shit that A-Rod says? Have you just listened to Matt Vaskersian talk ever? Mm. Like, these guys are not paragons of talent, you know? Like, the, <laughs> so... I'm changing I, my LinkedIn to be paragon of talent. <laughs> <laughs> I So I am... Cautiously optimistic. Yes. Yeah, exactly. 
I can I in light of what the argument that you just made, can I just dive into do a little close reading of the quote that Gabe Kapler gave, which is that he said, quote, simply, I think she's going to be a great coach. Merit and the ability to be a great coach trumps all. Okay, that like seems pretty anodyne for someone to say about a hire on his staff, right? But it's pretty clear that merit and the ability to be a great coach has not trumped all and will continue not to trump all. And like continuing to push that idea out into the world that like this is a merit-based system is, aside from being flagrantly bullshit, is dangerous because it gets weaponized in different ways in different organizations, right? Like merit to one person is different than merit to someone in like the Kansas City Royals organization or the Oakland A's organization or the New York Mets organization. And if we don't have strict practices that promote diverse hires, like how are we going to get more diversity? We're just not in front offices and in coaching circles and in positions of power in baseball and the world at large for what it's worth. But it's just obscuring the inherent subconscious bias in the idea of merit. There is no set of guidelines for what is merit to hire for a, a baseball coach. There's just not. It's a very nebulous idea. And the more that we push this idea that that merit rises to the top, the more we just allow people to hire their buddies or like people that they've worked with in the past or people who remind them of themselves. You know, Gabe Kapler is just going to go out and probably hire a bunch of people who are like-minded with him because that is like this deeply held subconscious thing that has undercut the diversity of like companies and baseball organizations everywhere. Yeah. If it was a, if it was a merit based system, like we would not seem, see the uniformity of mindsets. Well, it wouldn't be Gabe Kapler giving this quote if it was a merit based system because (laughs) his merit is that he just fucking sucked as the Phillies manager. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I hope that this will open doors for <laughs> higher level positions for women in baseball, which just like, what a sentence to say out loud. Like, I hope one day women can hold these positions too. I hope the gatekeepers of baseball allow Justine Siegel, who, you know, coaches in the A's system to like be a part of the A's major league coaching staff. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. And it also is like, you can read this two ways that she was hired as an intern originally with the Giants and then promoted. You can read that as like they hired at like at a lower level and they saw the the quote unquote merit of Alyssa Nakin and they promoted her rightfully. Or you can read it as like, we're just gonna hire you at the low level and we're gonna we're gonna create an artificial ceiling for you because chances are if you start as an intern at a company, you probably are not gonna become the GM of that company of that baseball team. <laughs> you know, like that's 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 usually not how it works under American capitalism. That's I, I don't think that I'm really overstepping my bounds of personal experience there, but I think that there needs to be like some sort of system where just at every level, just reassess the uniformity of what our leadership teams look like in baseball. And Yes, Alyssa Nacken is like a, a full-time coach and the first woman to ever do that. But like, now let's hire at all levels, you know? You've already said that like, we're willing to do it based on merit. Let's just hire at all levels now. Just the part where we say no time. Thought it was, but it ain't gonna stop. Wanna keep up with you, but the 
can sincerely say from the bottom of my heart that I hope for much less baseball news next week. You know, we come into the offseason and we're like, shit, bro, what are we going to talk about? All of the free agents have already signed. All the big free agents have already signed. It's a, it's a cold, cold content world out here. We're bringing on Sean Doolittle to talk Star Wars rankings. And then, like, this firestorm of news hits us and we're like, it's too much. We didn't know what we were asking for. Yes, honestly. Sean, come back. <laughs> um, before we wrap up for the week, I, uh, I just want to mention one thing that has nothing to do with either of the two conversations that dominated this podcast. In The Athletic this week, Blake Murphy of The Athletic wrote an article about uh, Joey Votto and his 25 years of Raptor fandom. And in said article, asked Joey Votto if, uh, if he can still dunk. Joey Votto says, quote, Oh, get the fuck out of here. I fucking bang, dude. Are you kidding me? That was just light, light self-deprecation. I bang, dude. End quote. <laughs> I, there is a reason that we stand. Yep. It goes back to like what we talked about with Sean last week. Like, Give me an hour of Joey Votto just bragging about how he can dunk. I'll watch it. I'll listen to that. My reality show to pitch would be uh, like punked, but with Joey Votto. (laughs) Fucking got you, bro. (laughs) He just like runs away. (laughs) Would watch. I I absolutely would watch that. So Joey Votto, National Treasure. Don't don't cheat, please. I want to love you so much. The only banging news that we care about this week. Joey Votto. Is that Joey Votto bangs. (laughs) Uh, thank you for listening, everyone. If you're a new listener from our Sean Doolittle podcast, we appreciate it. Um, or, subs- or our Michael Bauman podcast. I know there or are Michael, Michael Bauman, Bauman stands out there. So yeah. Michael Bauman stands. Welcome to the Tipping Pitches family. My big labor hive. Let's get in this. <laughs> uh, please remain subscribed. Subscribe if you are not subscribed already. I'm saying the word subscribe a lot. So I would appreciate if you would also rate and review um, in whatever your preferred podcast app is. Apple Podcast is always good. And we'll be back next week, hopefully with no deeper fallout from the Houston Astros. Hold on. What did we decide on? Banggate. Banggate. Yes. Banggate. <laughs> Buzzgate. I'm going to keep trying both and see which one I like better. Thank you for listening. Wait, you said wh- Whackgate? You already forgot. Yeah. It's only three. <laughs> <laughs> It's whack, buzz, and bang. Whack, buzz, and bang. These are those are like the the three forgotten uh, dwarves, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Wacky, Wacky, bangy, buzzy, and, and buzzy. Bang. <laughs> <laughs>